Hi, I'm Mac. And I'm PC. <laughs> Shout out Tumblr user. Shout out Tumblr user. And this is Unsubs. podcast where we recap, rate, and review all 324 episodes of Criminal Minds. And today we're talking season four, episode six, The Instincts. Yeah, so this is a weird episode, guys. This is a weird episode because the show itself is weird, and this is also a weird episode for us, because this is the first episode you guys are going to hear host me having the plague. Y'all, she literally survived the plague. I did. I literally got it during New Year's. Like, that's when it happened. And then it's like, ah, how many days into the New Year are we? And starting off with a bang, I guess. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry for the delay. Also, not sorry for you didn't want to hear me speaking on a podcast as I was like, my nose was a faucet. Like, it was gross. Like, the human body is disgusting. And technically speaking, we did record episode five ahead of time, but I was like, I need time to edit this, as in this specific episode. So that's why we did not just release that one. And start afresh also i feel like it's good to like start the weeks with the odd episodes and end with the uh, i don't know it's whatever ocd bullshit okay fun facts fun facts oh shit fun fact Lil jeff is getting a lot more comfortable my my baby my child uh she is fully like roaming around the house she wouldn't come downstairs for a long time but now she is fully downstairs, and it's a little shocking because I'm not used to having two cats downstairs. So now I'm like, oh, hi, oh, hi. Like, it's it's almost too much cat sometimes, but it is lovely, and I do love her. I, like, texted it because I'm a full adult and I live with my parents because pandemic. Um, I, like, texted my mom, like, two days ago, and I was like, do you think the dogs remember me? Because I've just been, like, up in my room, <laughs> away from my family and my pets for, like, almost 10 days at this point. And I'm just like, do you think Kiki knows who I am still? Oh, Kiki probably misses <laughs> you so much. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're living their best lives, but it was it was kind of funny. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, uh, do you want to share our disclaimer? Yes, our disclaimer is that we are in no way, shape, or form professionally associated with criminal minds or anything therein, so do not sue us. Yeah, not looking to get sued. That would really make our 2022. Oh my god. Uh, we get a cease and desist from Matthew Gray Gubbler specifically. <laughs> he would never. He would never. I'm going to share our rating criteria. Uh, we rate out of 100 points. We have five different categories. Each category gets 20 total points. So criminal slash serial killer, character development slash character arcs, forensic slash context, script writing, and background characters. 
Oh, man. Oh, man. This is a weird episode. This is a weird episode. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Oh, Good God. luck reading. Good luck reading all of this shit. I have, I have like 130 typos in this, according to Grammarly, so. And I have to go through and fix every single one of them when I upload this on our website. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Someone give us money. Please. Please. Just like a little bit of money. <laughs> All right, so we open and we see Reed, Hotch, and Prentice, which it looks like a basement, but then they enter it. It's a weird setting. So they're clearly in a home of some sorts, and they're looking for something or someone. Uh, And then we see Reed go off by himself, walking down a long hallway, and at the end is a door to a basement. We cut and we see in the basement there is a kid who... I guess, look, we just see their legs. It looks like they must be dead or asleep. Reed is like, he's six years old. And then he turns, and there's a baby. And Reed is like, JJ, we can't let your baby in a crime scene. And he's like, J-, like, keep saying that. And then he jump, whoop, guess what? He was dreaming. So we see Reed jump awake, and he's on the, there. everyone's on the BAU jet. Hey, girl! Uh, he's been dreaming, and he explains um, the dead kid and the baby and the crime scene to the BAU, and Morgan's like, hey, you know what? Dream analysis. And Reed is like, I don't believe in dream analysis. Oh, really? Because you believe in handwriting analysis? <laughs> so, not too far of a fucking leap. I know, that was my first thought when he said that. I was like, Mac is going to have a field day Oh my that. fucking god. And the rest of the team is like, hey, bud. You're stressed. The case we're working on involves a dead kid. You know, we're going back to, like, um, to uh, Las Vegas. Like, you know, maybe that's why. Like, did you tell your mom that you're going to visit? And Reed is, like, not, very not appreciative of any of the analysis that he's receiving at all. And it's just like, why aren't we reviewing the case file? And Prentice is like, oh, because you fell asleep. <laughs> Uh, JJ briefs everyone, and basically there is a kid named Ethan Hayes uh, who was five years old, and two weeks ago he was abducted out of his parents' front yard. His mom had, like, run inside for, like, a second to grab her purse, and then the police found his body exactly one week later in the desert. He was dressed in a new change of clothing, his hair was combed, his nails were clipped, They believe he was smothered because there was no signs of, like, sexual assault or bruising or anything. So they're like, okay, so maybe the unsub considered that to be, like, a merciful death. Now there is another kid named Michael Bridges. Uh, Yesterday, he set out to walk himself to a friend's house a block away and never showed up. I think it was Rossi who was like, how do we know that these cases are even connected? But you want to know how we know? How do we know? The unsub literally calls the parents. <laughs> I love it. Like, I love when they call on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and basically was like, Haha, I have your kid. You're a bad parent. No demand for ransom or anything. In Las Vegas, we see the BAU appear at this, like, super suburban neighborhood. And it's the neighborhood that Michael Bridges has gone missing in. They go in and they meet the Bridges and 
they ask if Michael had walked to his friend's house by himself before, and Amy, the mother, gets very defensive very quickly, but then the dad is like, no, he had only done it a couple of times. Basically, they had kind of argued over whether or not he should be allowed to do that because the father was like, I think we're babying him, and his mother was like, I don't know. I was just going to say that I lived so deep into, into the booties that the only place I could walk to was the forest. So that is why I was never abducted as a child, because there was nowhere to go and nothing to do unless you like trees. Yeah, no, I, I live in suburbia, but there's like, a, there was at least a bunch of children who lived in the neighborhood I grew up in. And so there was walking everywhere. But that's also because there's like several schools really close to where I live. Oh, okay. Now we see Morgan and Reed at the morgue, and they're speaking to the mortician about Ethan's cause of death. This case is really strange because Ethan had, like, no bruising, nothing to show. There was assault on him, but he was noticeably thin, and his stomach and intestines were completely empty. So they're like, oh, so he was being starved. But there was no actual signs of starvation. He explains how, I guess, this is something that happens behind your eyes biology talk i didn't include all of that but so but basically none of those warning signs of starvation were there so he was getting nutrients somehow oh god which when we find out how is like icky oh my god (laughs) oh my god the funeral for ethan is scheduled to occur the next day and hotch asks that the funeral be an open invitation for the public and the parents of michael bridges can attend this is because it is likely that the unsub will come to the funeral so jj has some girl time i put sorry that's so cold haha with michael's mom but it's basically jj's also really pregnant so like, jj's super pregnant she's, now she's so pregnant so like i feel like this case is like especially affecting her knowing that she she's gonna be having a baby very soon i also think it's effective though for jj to be on it because it's very effective for the parents to see like a pregnant mother involved in this So basically, the mother is like, I'm not handling this well, and I know that I'm blaming my husband. It's not his fault. And I'm like, hey, you know, that sucks, but at least she's self-aware. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I can't can't imagine. Like, it's got to be the worst thing in the world. And, like, the one person that you're closest with, it's like, you know. It's why the statistics of, like, parents divorcing after losing a kid is, like, really high. Now we see that the um, Bridges are preparing to answer a phone call from the unsub. I don't know how they knew when he would be, like, calling them. Imagination. So we see them basically preparing for that. They have the whole, like, recording situation, like, from, what was it, Broken Mirror? At first, Mr. Bridges was going to answer, but then then JJ's like, I think Amy should answer. Amy answers and they're like, you know, you got to keep, you got to keep them on the line as long as possible. And so she answers and the unsub has that like stupid little voice filter thing on. And the unsub is like, are you home alone? And she says, yes, I'm there with my husband. And the unsub is like, why are you home? You should be out looking for your boy. 
the unsub is like, you know, your kid is better off with me. And Amy's like, okay, sure. And the unsub is like really rude and like, he's in a better place now. You're a bad mom. And then the the call ends when the unsub is like, you're three minutes are up and hangs up. So thankfully, um, Garcia was able to somewhat track where the call was coming from with a general area. But it's tricky because the unsub called from a cell phone. So the unsub is, as they put it, mobile or mobile. (laughs) Because we got play on words there. Unsubs be moving. Morgan and Reed show up and they're basically like gonna be night watching for the parents um and sleeping on their couch we get to see reed do his little will graham cosplay and have some nightmares again (laughs) his dream is almost identical to the one that he had um on the jet at the opening of the show but now he also has leeches all over his body oh my god we're back to leeches yeah full circle (laughs) we do have leech merch We do. Justice for leeches. Team leech. Now we see the bridge is preparing to attend Ethan's funeral. Amy goes downstairs and is like, you know what, guys? I can't do it. And then Morgan and Hotch are like, but you gotta. So now we get a very short profile. A white man in his 20s to 30s. Given the quality of the clothing that he put Ethan in, and Ethan was the um, the little boy who has died, probably comes from a middle-class background. This is not someone who will attend the funeral in a high-end or well-tailored suit. He might be paying a lot of attention to the bridges, may drive a four-wheel drive vehicle. He is trying to separate his actions from himself. And this is about remorse. And now we're at the funeral. And I was just like, sorry, like, why is the coffin so big? This was like a five-year-old. So now we see the bridges and the BAU scan the crowd for someone like during this funeral. It's one of those funerals where you're outside and everyone's just like standing and watching. um, And kind of like in a semicircle situation. Amy, like, definitely senses that the unsub is there, but, like, she's not able to pinprick who specifically it is. And then Reed has a little flashback, and my queen, Jane Lynch, shows up as his mother. His vision is him and his mom attending a funeral here before, and he's like, I've been here before. And then Prentice and Rossi, you know, the dynamic duo, notices a guy on a flip phone, like, recording the service. And Rossi approaches and is like, are you a friend of the family? And the guy is like, no, no, no. Like, I just felt sad because it's a young kid. And Prentice points out that he has been videotaping on his phone. It is like, hmm, so this is, like, not shady at all. And so they apprehend him. Hut, now they're questioning this guy, and he's, like, not setting himself up to look good at all. He's, like, obviously super nervous. Um, Morgan has, now we see, like, this is cutting over to the other side of the, you know, room where they're watching him be interrogated. And Morgan pulls a file for Reed, and it's one about a kid named Riley Jenkins, who was murdered at the age of six in the same town. So Reed would have been four years old when this happened. And Reed is like, you know, I had an imaginary friend named Riley. 
Yeah, so basically they're thinking that like it's not like actually a dream, like it's it's for realsies, guys. Rossi and Prentice grill this guy who was definitely shady, and he's then he just go like blurts out, I never would have molested that boy. So this guy does not know the details of the murder. Rather, he is a preferential sex offender. So it's a good thing they got him, but not what they wanted him for. So the Bridges get another phone call from the unsub and is like, I'm going to talk to the FBI. I saw them at the funeral. And then the call ends the same way as it did before, being like, your time is up. After that call, Reed, finally, voice of reason, is like, I don't think this unsub is a man. And I'm like, yeah. No shit. <laughs> like, really? And Morgan is like, you know what? I agree. And I'm like, why did none of you say anything before? The pitch of the voice and just the, I don't the know. The intonation, yeah. Yeah, and like, I hate to like gender a voice, but it does like, it does really seem like a feminine voice on the on the phone, yeah. So Reed um, points out that he also thinks it's possible that this unsub has been institutionalized, given how she only believes she can talk for three minutes. However, due to, like, patient confidentiality, Garcia is not able to actually look up, like, who in that area would have been institutionalized. So Reed is like, you know what? I have a solution. So Reed goes to the care facility that his mother is staying at, and he speaks to one of, I guess, a doctor? I guess it's a doctor or a worker or, like, or a, a caregiver. I also, like, watched the movie I Care a lot last night with Rosamund Pike from Gone Girl, where she's, like, a um, state, like, a guardian for, like, elderly people, like, a con- uh, conservatorship. And then she's like, I'm your guardian. And I'm like, oh, maybe that's what this is. <laughs> um, and basically, Reed is like, I know you can't, but, like, could you maybe, like, if I give you this profile, could you potentially find someone who matches this profile? And the good news is that Reed uh, is able to say hi to his mom while he's there. He asks his mom about Riley Jenkins, and his mom is like, no, Riley Jenkins was made up. So, unfortunately, the doctor or guardian or caregiver that the that Reed spoke to is like, I can't find anyone who matches the profile. But he does say that, de- and this is like, I probably got a little hazy with this, but like, depending on the condition of the patient, it might be more of a matter of making sure that this unsub stays on their medication, like, rather than necessarily what their condition is. So the doctor leaves and Reed's mom says that she went off of her medication during her pregnancy. And this just like gives Reed an epiphany. And he approaches the doctor again and was like, do you think a woman could think a five-year-old is her own newborn? Like if she's not on her meds? And the doctor's like, yes, if her psychosis is serious enough and she's not on her medication, then like absolutely. So Reed calls Hotch and is like, I believe I know why the medical examiner was confused regarding there being no food in the stomach of Ethan. This unsub is breastfeeding the boys. Icky. Oh, God. 
Not that breastfeeding is icky. It's just it's it's just very uncomfortable to think about like a five year old breastfeeding when it's a stranger. I know, like it's straight breastfeeding, cool or not, depending on what what you want to do. It's your body, your choice. Uh, stranger breastfeeding your child, not cool. Garcia was able to work some magic, and she finds the woman. Her name is Claire Bates. She was institutionalized three years ago, and she had a baby three weeks ago. And I'm like, bro, how are you even walking right now? But social services took her baby away from her after seven days. And like, oh, this makes sense because that's why she's holding the boys for seven days. Additionally, in the notice from social services, they say that even though she has been committed to this baby, but went off of her medication during her pregnancy and having the kid, given her history of violent and delusional behavior, there is a risk posed to the child by being with her. Yeah, and she's not on her medication now. The BAU zoomies over to her home, and we see her, like, covering a bunch of logs in her backyard with gasoline. So we're like, this is going to be a hell of a fire. Shitty house. Sparkling new central heating and cooling unit outside. I didn't even notice that. House is falling apart. Literally derelict house. They were like, let's get, let's have your worst house possible. Sparkling new central heating and cooling unit outside. That shit's expensive. That like, that could be like $20,000. Or that's how much it costs in fucking New York. Oh my God. Someone's got to get that thing out of there. She is about to start a hell of a fire next to her pristine central heating and air. So the BAU is like, zoom me on over, and they approach her home, and they enter the home, but it doesn't look like she's in there because she's in the backyard. No, she's not. She's inside running to the backyard. And it looks like she's carrying a baby in her arms or like, a you know, the boy, the kid. Now she's making her way towards the fire that she built for no reason that we know of. My favorite part of this little sequence is that Rossi does not look happy that he's running. (laughs) My favorite part about this sequence is the fact that the bundle clearly changes sizes in different shots. Oh my god, I know. Just like watching it and seeing like Prentice and Hotch like running and they're going and then we just see like Rossi have this like just look of like utter like resentment and just like like i'm running uh yeah they they lost me at the pristine central heating and cooling unit i lost (laughs) this lost all believability claire is on one side of this huge fire and then everyone else is on the other and then like prentice is like no you don't have to do this claire is like my baby is dead and Prentice is like, no, he's not. And then, like, Reed rolls in and makes his way into the house while the rest of the team is talking to Claire in the yard. And Reed finds Michael in one of the rooms. And, like, Michael gives Reed, like, the biggest hug in the world. And, like, the way that Reed hugs this kid, I was just like, oh, like, I don't think kids are in the cards for me. But, oh, my goodness, my maternal instinct was like, I can't. 
Claire's not holding Michael, which they believe she is, and I guess fire is obscuring the view, and they just see her yeet this teddy bear into the flames. It, like, really reminds me of that part in, like, Breaking Dawn, when, like, we see Dakota Fanning just hold that baby out in front of her for, like, no goddamn reason, and it's so dramatic. We see Claire being apprehended, and there is some pointed eye contact between her and Amy Bridges. And then Amy is reunited with her son, and we see Amy, like, you know, get out of a car and run up, but the dad just appears. I don't know where he came from. Probably from the central heating and cooling unit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Family's reunited, and Amy tells JJ, like, you're going to be a good mom, because mom instincts. Um, And it's a happy ending. But then Reed is still, like, very bothered by this whole Riley Jenkins case. And Morgan is just like, you should just get over it, man. Like, you probably memorized the case details from something else. And, like, you know, just enjoy the fact that today is, like, as good of a day as it's going to get with this job. So Reed is like, hey, Hotch, can we wait until tomorrow to go home? And Hotch is like, do you think there's anything you to do to keep yourselves occupied tonight? And Morgan is like, oh, hell yes, we, there is. We see Reed go and stay at the um, care facility with his mother overnight, and it's cute. And then we get a cute montage of, like, the rest of the team having, like, sushi. And then we end on a dark cliffhanger. Reed is dreaming again, but this time he sees a man standing over the body of the kid in the basement. And the man stands up and turns towards him, and Reed is just like, Dad? And that's the end of the episode. Oh, God. All right. Do you want to hear my deep dive? I do. I was watching this episode and I was like, huh, it's crazy that if you're schizophrenic or bipolar that you and you get pregnant that you have to stop taking your drugs that are literally keeping your brain. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Function, keeping your brain functioning, saving your life um, while pregnant. Like that seems crazy. This is from. PubMed, quote, it is important to evaluate the safety of these drugs in pregnancy, as most women with a serious psychiatric illness cannot stop taking their medication, as this would interfere with their activities of daily living, especially taking care of an infant. To date, no definitive association has been found between use of antipsychotics during pregnancy and an increased risk of birth defects or other adverse outcomes. However, there is a paucity of information with the lack of large, well-designed, prospective comparative studies. And this is from Everyday Health. Some studies have suggested that taking antipsychotic medication during pregnancy can lead to birth defects, especially when taken during the first trimester. However, a large study published in September 2016 in the JAMA Psychiatry showed that the use of antipsychotic medicines during the first trimester did not meaningfully increase the risk of birth defects in kids. 
According to the National Institute of Mental Health, no medication is considered perfectly safe for all women at all stages of pregnancy, and there are a few psychoactive drugs that most pregnant women should avoid due to the risk of birth defects. There is sometimes the possibility of reducing or stopping medication for a small period during the first trimester when risk of many of the adverse effects of drugs are heightened. Whether or not you remain on medication, continuing with your provider is essential as, in both cases, your provider will be able to monitor you closely throughout the pregnancy for any issues that may arise. I just think it's really sad that there's not, like, a definitive, I mean, it doesn't, from what I found online, there wasn't even really, like, a guidebook for doing this. It's really, like, case-to-case based off of what your doctor thinks is right for you, but I just feel like it's an uncertain time, and, you know, you don't want to do anything to harm your baby, but you also have to take care of yourself, so I just really wish there were more definitive studies and more... I don't even like more information on this for expecting mothers dealing with like serious mental illness. It's also one of those things where it's like, talk to your healthcare provider. You should talk to your healthcare provider, like before doing these things. And like, you do realize like how many people in, especially in this country don't even have like a doctor. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like I haven't been to a doctor in like such a long time. Like, it's, it's just, like, this is such a, like, our healthcare is so messy. So it's just, although, like, you know, talking to a doctor is the best thing to do. And if you have that resource, you should do that. It's also, at this point, almost a privilege to have a doctor. Yeah. Or to be able to see a doctor. It took me three months to see one of my doctors. Like... You know, and I just, I feel like the vulnerable populations, people who deal with serious mental illness are already at such a huge disadvantage to want to embark on this, which is like a life-changing event. And to go into it basically like a do-it-yourselfer, like figuring it out as you go along is just really bad. And we need, you know, I don't, I don't know what they can do other than do more studies, but we'd certainly need to do something because this is like, this is 2022 and there's still not an answer to this. Yeah. So, which is ridiculous. Which is and scary. Like I, yeah. I cannot imagine criminal minds is so blase about it. <laughs> Reed's mother's like, yeah, I, I just stopped. <laughs> this is, it wasn't a big deal. I just stopped. And it's like, what? It's also the way that Criminal Minds, like, even, like, addresses or, like, mentions mental illness is so, like, if you're mentally ill, you're a, like, violent and dangerous person to yourself and others, which is, like, such a generalization. But there is a lot of truth of, like, there are some people, like, if you don't take your medication, there can be significant and severe consequences, which is not the same for everyone, so I feel like Criminal Minds gets really, really extreme with one on like with, you know, one side of that coin. But then also I feel like the general public is like, oh, just stop taking your medication. No big deal sometimes. And it's like, no, that can be a really big deal. Yeah, it, it usually is a really big deal. Should we rate this episode? Let's rate this episode. Criminal slash serial killer. I mean, I always, always got to give my love to my girl bosses. Yes, girl boss, girl power. 
Um, I mean, I feel really sad for her. I obviously the world doesn't know enough about schizophrenia and like pregnancy and antipsychotics and all that stuff. But like as a character, her choice to forego those, I mean, I feel like that was like a serious thing for her to do. And obviously it didn't work out well, but I mean, I, I'm kind of like, I'm with her on this. I'm like, you, I get it. Yeah. You stop taking these drugs so you can have a baby and then they're like, fuck you. And you can't have like, what? I mean, just uh, girl boss. It's also um, interesting because it's like on the phone, she's so much more aggressive than we than when we see her like in the flesh. Um, so I kind of wish we got to see more of that swag, I guess. I thought it was like an interesting character. And I think it was a sympathetic character with mental illness which a lot of times they're kind of jokes and she's definitely not a joke you feel something for her claire yeah and also we understand her motivation more than others do you want to give her like a 17 yeah all right character development and character arcs Mm, has to score high high because of all that read stuff right yeah 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 15 yeah Forensics and context. Our profile was really short. I mean, it was like definitely they get you in the beginning where the medical examiner's like, there are no signs of trauma. The baby is nourished, but there's no, like, there was, that was interesting. Yeah. Do we want to, what do we want to give breastfeeding? (laughs) Yeah. Breastfeeding. (laughs) Uh, A 13? I don't know. Higher? 13 seems good. Script writing. Oh, got definitely got to dock some points for that pristine central heating and cooling unit. We see you, girl. Feminist icon, central heating and cooling unit. Out of place, out of time. Do you want to? I feel like the script writing was fine. Like ten. Let's give a little higher than that. I mean, you know, thirteen. Yeah, thirteen. I think is good. All right, background characters. I did like the parents. Me too. I thought they were really well done. 17, 16, 15. 17. Okay. 75. Thanks for listening, you guys. As always, we have a Patreon. We have Instagram, we have Twitter, we have Tumblr, we have a website that I worked really hard on. Uh, all the links are in the show notes. You can follow me at yournewapartment.tumblr.com or check out my defunct, as Abigail always says, my defunct podcast, uh, which, which is, I link in the show notes as well. Yeah, and you can listen to my what, derelict podcast. Oh. Uh, between stage and screen on all streaming services and you can also take a look at the Instagram I think this is also in the show yes yeah and check out our sister podcast Genre Blind um, which uh, Abigail's boy thing uh, <laughs> hosts and then the co-host is like doing our next artwork so that's really yes. cool too so they are very involved in this podcast so we like to support them Maybe one day we'll be guests.